Hello and welcome, new intro song, same sack, welcome in to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls, and this is episode 8, can you believe it? We've been doing this now for 8 episodes, 8 is great, I'm sure it's going to be the best episode yet, sure hope it is. Today on the sack, going to talk a few balls, going to talk some baseball, some golf, college football, and NFL as always, going to talk about the postseason for MLB, the championship series are coming down, getting real nitty gritty, real exciting, some great baseball being played. Golf, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods and the impact of him withdrawing from the Safeway Open had on the weekend and how it's going to impact Tiger going forward. NFL, we're going to recap and look ahead, talk some injuries, how teams are going to be able to respond from that. College, big weekend, a lot of good games last weekend, even better games coming up this weekend. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the eighth episode of Carson Sack Podcast. First subject we're going to talk about, going to talk about golf, going to knock that one out of the way real quick. Tiger Woods this past weekend didn't play in the Safeway Open, hasn't played in a tournament in 2016, was going to be his first one back from a multitude of injuries. Um, I'm glad Tiger Woods took the year off, got himself healthy. Ever since 2008, he's always been dealing with nagging injuries after the scandal and whatnot, came back performed pretty well but always been dealing with some injuries and but I'm really glad he took the entire year off and this week I'm glad he didn't push himself to try and play in I'm going to try and be nice and say a bit of a smaller a bit of a weaker tournament and I'm glad he realized that I shouldn't injure myself set myself back even further by playing in this stupid little tournament with that being said Tiger, take your time, come back healthy, I'm ready to have the return of the roar on Sundays, wearing the red, just freaking throwing darts from the fairway with your irons, you're freaking flying the ball with your three wood, landing it soft and letting it roll up, I'm just ready to see old Tiger back, you were the most dominant golfer of all time, notice I didn't say the greatest, I said the most dominant, there's a difference. With that being said, all that being said, I don't want your first tournament back to be the 2017 Masters. I don't think you want that either. I don't think anybody wants that either. I think the only people that want that is CBS and ESPN so they can plug that into the broadcast. But you can't come back and that be your first tournament. You're better than that. You're setting yourself up for failure to do that, Tiger. I would like to see play a couple more tournaments earlier on in 2017. Maybe play the Pro-Am out at Pebble Beach. Seems like a great time every year. You'd probably enjoy yourself. Probably a lot of lovely ladies out there you could hit on, do whatever. Play in a couple tournaments before the 2017 Masters. And then return the roar. I would love to see it. I'd love to see you slip on one, one more green jacket. Maybe raise one more claret jug somewhere down the line at an open or whatnot. Just... Golf doesn't need you as much, but your presence is always felt. We miss you, buddy. We miss Tiger Woods. So come back whenever you're healthy and return the roar for us. Now that we got golf out of the way, we can move on to the sport where they pack lips and hit rips. Do they even say hit rips? Is that a term for hitting a baseball? I don't know. Either way, though, we'll be talking a little MLB. And it's the Championship League Series. The Indians are up 3-1 on the Blue Jays. Indians pitching staff has been remarkable. Terry Francona has these guys playing some great baseball. Like I said in previous episodes, the Indians 
while they're in the AL, they play a little bit like NL teams. Uh, they bunt guys ahead to move them like they would with pitchers in the NL. Just real smart baseball. I love watching them play. They're not going to constantly power balls out of the stadium, but they're able to just put runs on the board by playing smart baseball, a little old-fashioned baseball. Some old-timers might like it. They're pitching, like I said. Corey Kluber was lights out in Game 1. Uh, Josh Tomlin, six solid innings. Um, and then the big story in Game 3 in uh, Toronto, first game of the series in Toronto, Trevor Bauer previously was supposed to start Game 2, was pushed back to Game 3 because he cut his finger on his drone, left in the first inning after getting two guys out. It was bleeding so bad. First time real blood has ever appeared in an ALCS. I'm calling you out, Kurt Schilling. It was marker. But couldn't do it, and the pitching staff the entire bullpen for the Indians was incredible. Came up big. No one threw more than I think one and two thirds innings. I think the most any pitches that a pitcher threw was 28. The big story of this series, though, and pretty much the entire uh, AL postseason play has been Andrew Miller. Indians got him at the trade deadline from the Yankees, and he was worth it. He has literally been unhittable not being able to he has more strikeouts I think in the first five postseason games than anybody in history and then hasn't allowed a run has more strikeouts like I said he's just been great a great pickup by the Indians I love what they're doing him and then Allen the closer uh Miller's more the setup guy and then Allen comes in and shuts him down love it like I said though they're up 3-1 the uh Blue Jays stole one tonight Kluber pitched in Game 4 after short rest, so not really his fault. He only gave up two runs himself, but then the bowl came came into play. Andrew Miller didn't really get a chance to pitch, and they lost it for him. Blue Jays might come out on top in Game uh, 5 as well, just because I think Toronto being there helps, but... Indians haven't lost four in a row all year. I don't think they're going to end up losing three in a row either. I think if it does end up going back to Cleveland for game six. They'll take care of business there. I'm not sure who's going to be pitching for that. Maybe Tomlin, um, maybe Bauer if his hand can heal. But I foresee the Indians going to the series. And what is big is if they can get, uh, I think it's Danny Salazar back, uh, coming back from his injury. If they can get him and Kluber and Tomlin and Bauer, that's a solid four-pitcher rotation. You can get more guys rest. Andrew Miller will be there as well. I like what the Indians are doing right now. I foresee them, like I said, going to the World Series. Now we switch pace and we talk about those damn Cubbies and those Doyers, the Dodgers from out west. Cubs came out in Game 1 at Wrigley on fire. Um, game was pretty close for a while, and then a grand slam for the Cubs really opened it up, and they took Game 1. Game 2, though, they got Kershaw. Might have been underestimated him a little bit, coming off a bit of a short rest period for him, but he proves it's a little clutch, a little bit more than what he's shown in the past. Gets a big win for the Dodgers on the road at Wrigley. Sure, he's then Swifts tonight, shifts tonight to LA and the Dodgers come out their bats were on fire all night Dodgers end up winning the game 6-0 a 2-1 lead not commanding the Cubs team is still good I still think they're going to end up winning this Dodgers I don't think have enough sustained ability with pitching or whatnot was a little concerning the Cubs one of their strengths all year has been batting. The bats have been dead all series. Another thing, Jake Arrieta was lights out all year. Lost this game tonight, 
Again, I think once the Cubs get back to Wrigley, you would have liked if you're the Cubs, you would have liked to have split the stuff in LA. So they're going to need to win this next game, go back two two, and then close it out in Chicago. I think that's the best case scenario because I think if you're a Cubs fan, you don't want to go back to LA at all. But I hope that's not the case for the Cubs, but it could be. Again, Cubs, I really think, are going to find a way to win this. They're the better team, I think, by a good amount. I think just a combination of bats aren't going and pitching hasn't been what it has been all year for the Cubs. Really plague them in the second and third game. Cubs are going to get their heads out of their asses, win the NLCS, and see my Cleveland Indians in the 2016 World Series. As we all know, Saturdays, it's for the boys, so they can drink some beers, check out some bibs, watch some football, and then I come here and talk about it Wednesday, so we might as well get to it. Obviously, the first game I'm going to talk about, the best game from the weekend, Ohio State, second-ranked team in the country, going to Madison, Wisconsin to face the eighth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers in an OT barn Bernie nail biter, hell of a finish, battle of Goliaths. That's how good this game was. Let me tell you, Ohio State came out real flat in the first half, allowing um, Wisconsin to be up sixteen to six at half. Ohio State was getting run all over. Their defensive line was just getting the ball shoved down their throats. Linebackers weren't doing any better either. Their secondary was coming up trying to make plays. They were getting beat on end arounds. Finally, though, in the second half, the halftime adjustments Urban Meyer made really came out. They showed it, showed who the better team was. JT Barrett struggled in the first half. Pretty much everyone on Ohio State's team struggled in the first half, but Barrett came out down the stretch. I think he completed nine passes in a row, um, one for the game-winning touchdown in overtime to Noah Brown, and then also ran for a touchdown that tied the game. No, yes, tied the game near the end of uh, regulation. Also want to give out a shout-out to the place kicker for Ohio State. You sent us to overtime. You gave us the opportunity to win. That's all we can ask for. I think his name's Tyler Durbin. What is a little concerning to me, though, is Ohio State's lack of ability to run the ball between the tackles with Mike Weber. It's not Mike Weber's fault. It's not the O-line's fault. It's Ed Warner's fault. And Tim Beck, I believe, is the other offensive co-offensive coordinator. They don't commit to it. And he is their best between the tackle runner. And they just don't give him the ball in those situations. It's very frustrating as an Ohio State fan to see a guy that can get you three to seven yards consistently up the middle between the tackles not get the ball in clear situations and then have other players that, like a Curtis Samuel, like a JT Barrett, who are forced to run up the middle and can't produce the same success that Mike Weber could. All that being said, JT Barrett, 21 carries, 92 yards, two touchdowns, real big performance. Curtis Samuel, six receptions, 58 yards, wasn't able to put a huge stamp on the game, but was always a threat with the ball in his hands, and you got to like that. In the end, though, Ohio State comes out on top. Their young team has been tested twice now. At Oklahoma and at Wisconsin, they have answered the test so well. Um, Nick Bosa, the freshman, younger brother of Joey Bosa, came up big on the last play. Got, I think, a shared sack with uh, Holmes and Sam Hubbard. 
their D-line, the whole defense really responded in the second half. Um, Wisconsin's quarterback played pretty well. He did pretty much just handed the ball off all game, and then when he did have to make some throws, he made them, but also a costly turnover in the second half. In the end, though, I think this wins more about Ohio State and how they're able to respond to adversity on the road in a crazy environment against a good team. I didn't think Wisconsin was good as they were. They showed they're good. All this does puts another big win under the belt on the resume for Ohio State. Puts another, I guess, quality loss, a statement loss, I guess, for Wisconsin on their resume. Ohio State, no rest no rest for them at all. Have to go to another crazy environment. The whiteout at Penn State, which they always do for Ohio State. It's the biggest game they have every year. I'll talk about that a little later. But like I said, big weekend for the Buckeyes coming out in overtime on the road, 30-23 to over the Badgers. Moving on, I mean, I guess there was a game between top 10 teams in the SEC. I, I don't know. I didn't really pay attention to it. I mean, I guess Alabama... Number one team in the country went to Tennessee, who was ninth in the country. And I mean, I guess they just opened up a can of whoop ass, if I'm going to be frank with you. 49 10. Tennessee was never in this game. Jalen Hurts, another game management game for him. Rushing, though, 132 yards, three touchdowns for the freshman quarterback. Calvin Ridley, five, reception, five receptions, 65 yards. Bigger story Alabama's defense. What can you say? Nick Saban just reloads, as always. Alabama just crown them already, I guess. Not so fast, as Mr. Lee Corso likes to say. Don't think Tennessee is as good as everybody was giving them credit. I think they got real lucky. Again, Tennessee had, they're, pretty much, they're banged up right now. That's no excuse. But Tennessee was never in this game. It was very apparent who the better team was right from the first series for each team on both sides of the ball. Tennessee is going to need a rebound. Um, maybe though, what Tennessee could be doing, just slow playing it. Let them let let the tide think. Hey, come the SEC championship game, if we make it as the Vols, they got an easy win. Fly in under the radar, and then boom, upset city down at Atlanta for the Vols. Likely not what they were doing, but you never know. Again, Alabama, number one team in the country, goes on the road to Tennessee. Big, big win. Big statement win for the Tide, 49-10. Last game I'm really going to dig into, really going to analyze for y'all, because I know you love it, is the North Carolina State versus Clemson game. Clemson, third in the country, coming off big win against U L. Almost got upset at home from North Carolina State. North Carolina State is running a two-quarterback offense, one passing, one rushing, obviously. Um, Their defense is very good. They play with a lot of energy. Their defense is real hard-hitting. I like their defense, what they do, uh, the energy they play with, all that. I like that a lot. UofL has to play North Carolina State, and I think it's at North Carolina State. Could be a bit of an upset game, but I think we'll talk about that when it gets there. Now we need to talk about this. Clemson's Deshaun Watson, 378 yards, two touchdowns. Not a bad day. C.J. Fuller for the Tigers, uh, 16 carries, 56 yards on the ground for him. Nothing crazy. What really upsetting, though, North Carolina State had a chance to win at the end of the game, but the place kicker missed it, and it really bit him in the ass because Clemson came out on top. These are the type of games you need to win. 
Shouldn't have been as close as it was. Um, Clemson is, I think, miles ahead better than North Carolina State. But any given Saturday, right? Again, Clemson wins a thriller in OT 24-17 against the unranked North Carolina State Wolfpack. Three games, Carson? That's that's all you're going to talk about? That's all you're going to give us? thought you said this was a good week of college football. Like, what are you doing? Like, I thought you were better than that. Don't you worry your sweet little head, boys and girls, sirs and misses, listeners around the world. Yeah, probably around the world. What I'm going to do now, special for you, going to probably do this every week from now on, going to give you some rapid fire, some scores, some thoughts on some games from around the college football world from this past weekend. Let's go. On Friday night, Duke fell to number 7, Louisville, 24-14. Louisville looked real impressive. I like what they're doing. Again, rebounding from that tough road loss to Clemson. 7th in the country, Lamar Jackson, another big night, just cementing himself as a Heisman front runner. They got tough games coming up, but again, Louisville coming out on top in this one, 24-14. Boom, one down, moving on. Going to talk about the 14th-ranked Florida State Seminoles coming out on top 17-6 against a god-awful, terrible Wake Forest team. 17-6, very disappointing. I would be embarrassed to call myself a Florida State fan to only beat Wake Forest by 11 at Florida State. It's embarrassing. Florida State having a real tough year, getting blown out at Louisville. If they can get it together, beat Clemson, they got a chance to make the ACC championship game. Probably not going to make the playoff either way. Just beat Miami last week, so that's good for them. But again, maybe a little bit of a hangover. The Hurricanes on the field and probably off, probably hitting the booze a little too hard after that victory against the Hurricanes. But a very underwhelming 11-point win against Wake Forest. Boom! Moving on. 10th-ranked Nebraska went to Indiana Won that game 27-22. I like what Nebraska's doing a lot. It's setting up for a big midseason matchup at Ohio State between the Buckeyes and the Cornhuskers. Indiana, real scrappy team. I like them. Expect them to probably win their bowl game if they can make it to one. The quarterback wears 21. That's a real weird number to have as quarterback. That's pretty much all I know about Indiana. That and they can score a lot of points. But again, Cornhuskers won this game 27-22 in a barn burner. Boom! Next game. Old Miss, 12th in the country, lost to the 22nd-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas comes out on top, 34-30. I hate Arkansas. I hate Brent Bilma. I wish Ole Miss would have won. Chad Kelly had a big game, was held in check late, leading to Ole Miss in the loss. That's their third loss on the year now, all against top 25 teams, so you can't really hold that against them. At least they're losing to good teams. Arkansas, I don't like you. I only like you because you have a former San X Tiger on your team, and that's it. Like I said, kind of upset you all beat Ole Miss. 34-30, but it happened. Nothing I can do about it now. Boom! Last two. Syracuse goes and beats Virginia Tech, 17th in the country, 31-17. The game was at Syracuse. Big win for that program. Trending up. I like what they're doing in the ACC. Never going to be at top of that league, but can be solid mid-contenders mid for that. Can go some crazy bowl games. I don't know. Whatever. But Syracuse coming out on top. Big win against the 17th-ranked Virginia Tech Hokies. Boom! Last one, North Carolina comes out on top against 16th ranked Miami Hurricanes, 20-13. Miami lost back-to-back weeks. North Carolina got embarrassed last week, comes back, hammers it home against the freaking Hurricanes this week. North Carolina, I like them in the ACC. I wish they were able to make the ACC championship game because I think they could beat Clemson, and they clearly could beat Florida State because they already did that, and they proved they can beat Miami. Maybe it's just the Florida teams that they can beat. Maybe they're not good against Virginia Tech, and they're not going to be good against Clemson. I don't know. Hopefully we get to find out in the ACC championship game. But like I said, in the end, this week, 
North Carolina wins 20-13. And that is it for Rapid Fire. I dropped the mic on that. Boom! In my my brash actions that I just took dropping that mic, I realized I'm not going to be able to do the rest of this podcast if I don't pick it back up. And for your entertainment, your pleasure, I think I need to pick that thing back up. Picking it up proverbially right now, putting it back on the desk, and going to preview this week in college football for you. Let's go. First game we're going to look at, North Carolina State going to U of L. North Carolina State, as I previously mentioned, coming off that tough loss to Clemson. U of L coming off that hard-fought victory against Duke. Both teams in the ACC, one in contention for the college football playoff, one just a real scrappy team. I think you know who U of L playoff. North Carolina State scrappy. I like U of L in this one. I think Lamar Jackson comes out has a big game. Has a lot, has a full week to prepare, plus an extra day. So, again, I think that's really going to help him. I think Bobby Petrino is going to have him playing real well. Lamar Jackson, big day. North Carolina State keeps it close for a little while, but then Lamar Jackson and Radcliffe and everybody else on that L team shows who the better team is. L comes out on top in this one. Big. Next, we're going to go back to sweet home Alabama, home of college football, and Forrest Gump. But in all seriousness, we got a big game in the SEC this week between the sixth-ranked Texas A&M Aggies, led by Trevor Knight, going to Alabama to face the number one Crimson Tide, led by Jalen Hurts. Trevor Knight, I believe, is the only active quarterback in college football. He might be one of two, or just the only one, to have beaten Alabama. He didn't do it at Texas A&M. He did it in the Sugar Bowl with Oklahoma. Bit of a change of scenery, obviously, different school, but what Alabama struggles with is mobile quarterbacks, and Trevor Knight is a very mobile quarterback, very good quarterback. In the end, though, I think it being at Alabama is really going to help the tide in this one. It's going to be close all game. Then fourth quarter, I think around 10 to 8-minute mark, Alabama's going to get a big turnover. They might be up 3 or 4 at that point, maybe 7 probably going to get a big interception or big turnover. Alabama's defense is incredible this year with scoring touchdowns. I think they their defense has 11 touchdowns or 12 and they've only their defense has only allowed 11 touchdowns. Again, remarkable stat there. A big turnover for them. The tide around the 10 to 8 minute mark and I think if they don't take it to the house, I think Jalen Hurts and uh, Damian Harris are going to pound it in after that turnover, and that's just really going to open the floodgates, and I think the Tide are going to pull away late in this one, handing the Aggies their first loss of the year. Not to worry, though. We're going to stay down in that SEC, chill with them good old boys, play some college football, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right. Now that I got that out of the way, I can talk about 23rd-ranked Old Miss Rebels going to the 25th-ranked LSU Tigers, and LSU kind of story of two coaches for them this entire year. LSU looked a little flat under Les Miles this first. I for, I don't remember how many games he was fired after. But ever since then, they've been blowing teams out under Ed Orgeron. believe I said that right. I was pointed out after two podcasts ago that I was saying Oregon. It's Ed Orgeron. So there you go. He's a real good coach. Can able to get his players to buy into his system. Unfortunately, though, LSU's mascot did die this past week, so a little upsetting there. Don't really think that has much to do with this game, but again, just a little upsetting. 
I'll take I'll take the Tigers in this one. I think they'll get Leonard Fournette back. I think he's going to make a big difference. Ed Orgeron and the entire LSU team is going to have that place rocking. Um, it's going to be a big game. Why not take the home team and the Tigers? Uh, with that being said, I do like Chad Kelly. Always have like a story, like him as a player, but don't think he's going to have enough help around this week. LSU's defense going to smother him, smother receivers. Leonard Fournette goes off. Why not? LSU coming out on top in this one. Now we took care of them good old boys down the SEC. We can go a little west, stay in the southern part of the country, where we talk about two don't-say-I-didn't-tell-you-sos in the Big 12. Yep, two upsets I'm going to be talking about this weekend in college football, but the first one, it's going to be the 18th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners going to the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Baker Mayfield was named the Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year in 2013 when he played in eight games as the freshman walk-on for Texas Tech. Passed for 2,315 yards and 12 touchdowns that year. Left, transferred to Oklahoma, but now under center for the Texas Tech Red Raiders is Patrick Mahomes, and he is a great, great uh Playground player, if that makes any sense. He can create a lot of plays using his legs. Doesn't give up on plays. Able to evade pass rushers and whatnot. A sandlot player. Not a playground. A good sandlot player. Just able to evade guys. I like what he does a lot. I think it's a big revenge game for Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of Texas Tech, having Mayfield leave like he did. I think he's going to have the Red Raiders fired up, and I think Oklahoma's going to fall to them this weekend. The next don't say I didn't tell you so is going to see the TCU Horned Frogs go to the 12th-ranked West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown. TCU's going to come out with a victory in this one. I don't think West Virginia's seen a team like TCU all year where their defense is good, their offense is better. TCU lost a couple of tough games early this year against top 25 teams, so they're good enough to beat the West Virginia Mountaineers. I think they might as well just do it this weekend. Why not? Might as well. You're playing in the game. You might as well win it. I think the Horned Frogs are going to do it this weekend. But if that's going to happen for the Horned Frogs, they're going to need a big game from Kenny Hill. And Kenny Trill, might as well just go have a big game. Go upset a top 15 team at their place. Get your team back in the top 25. Avenge those two top 25 losses. Have yourself a day, young man. Kenny Trill and the Horned Frogs leave Morgantown as the victors this weekend. Last game, we started with the Buckeyes, and now we're going to end with the Buckeyes. Second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes go to unranked Penn State this weekend. Penn State, as always, for the Ohio State game, going to wipe that thing out. Going to look like a freaking Dave Matthews Band concert, if you know what I mean. Again, Ohio State comes off a huge road win at Wisconsin Hopefully they're not hungover in that because if they are, Penn State is ready to pull off the upset. I don't foresee it happening. I don't think JT Barrett, Urban Meyer is going to let that happen. I think the Buckeyes come out, might be a little closer than what they wanted, but in the end, come fourth quarter, they start pulling away. If JT Barrett wants to be considered a Heisman contender, these are the type of games he needs to have a big game in. Hopefully he can. I'd like to see two touchdowns. Over 250 yards passing, maybe 100 yards on the ground, two touchdowns as well. 
maybe if you want to be taken serious a Heisman contender besides just being in the conversation and you might want a chance to win it, go have yourself a day, young man. This is the game to do it on the road against an okay team in a hostile environment. You know that. I know that. The entire college football knows that. Go do it, JT. Might as well. Like I said, Buckeyes come out on top, pulling away late in this one against the Nittany Lions. And that's that, folks. That's your preview. That's your recap of next week and last week of college football. Hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed recording it. Enjoyed giving it to you. Again, stick around, though. We've got some NFL coming up for you. Ah, good. You stuck around. Granted, I didn't make you wait that long, but might as well just get right in to the NFL. Here we go. First game, Pittsburgh Steelers fall the Miami Dolphins, 30-15. That's all you heard. You'd be like, whoa, what, what happened to the Steelers? They're one of the best teams in the NFL. What happened was Ben Roethlisberger has a meniscus injury. Not serious. Supposedly, hopefully going to come back week 9 after the week 8 bye. Going to miss this game against the Patriots this weekend. Go on bye in the 8th and be back for the big showdown at the Ravens in week 9. I hope that's the case. If not... Steelers can be in some serious trouble. They got a lot of weapons around Ben Roethlisberger, but if Char- if uh, I don't even know Gronkowski, Gronkowski, the backup is the quarterback for them, or Landry Jones is the quarterback for the Steelers. Those weapons are going to be rendered useless, and they're not going to win. I don't think they are going to win any games that any backup quarterback starts. I don't think their defense is good enough to carry them. Le'Veon Bell is a hell of a back, but can't do it all. Antonio Brown, again, a hell of a receiver, can't do it all. He can't throw the ball to himself. And as long as Big Ben's out, the Steelers are going to suck. I, I hate to say that. I could be wrong, though. Maybe Mike Tomlin's going to light a fire under all their asses. They're going to come out this week, beat the Patriots. Not likely, but you can hope, right? That's... That's the only big injury from this weekend. Wanted to talk about that a little bit. It's a little sad to hear. Big Ben's always banged up, it feels like, in the year. Misses around two to four games a year. If he could be healthy, the Steelers could win so many more games, get better positioning for the playoffs almost every year. But it's the style he plays. He's a gunslinger. He's mobile. He's the best sandlot quarterback of all time, I believe. Runs around, makes people miss, sheds rushers all the time. Fun guy to watch play, but you worry about his health sometimes, and he rolls the dice, and sometimes he comes up big, and then situations like this, he comes up snake eyes. Like I said, though, Dolphins beat the Steelers this weekend, 30-15. to Next game we're going to look at, we're going to go out west, northwest, battle of the birds, Falcons versus the Seahawks. What the hell was that, Carson? I know that's what you're probably thinking. But... Seahawks come out on top in this one, 26-24 over the Falcons. Russell Wilson, 270 yards, zero touchdowns, real game manager. Real disappointing if you got him in fantasy. But Christine Michael, two touchdowns for him. Jimmy Graham, 89 yards. Seattle's defense really looked like Seattle's defense of old. Matt Ryan, one interception. What they really did, though, shut down the very dynamic running Offense that the Falcons have. Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman weren't able to get anything going, but through the air, 
They were able to get stuff going with the Falcons. Matt Ryan, three touchdowns, 335 yards. Julio Jones, 139 yards, one touchdown. Didn't watch the game all that much. Don't know if Sherman was on Julio if he was. Sherman got burnt. You're not the best quarterback in the league anymore. I still think you are. Just not. Didn't show it this weekend. But like I said, Seattle, big win this weekend. Falcons, probably going to rebound. I think they're a good team. think they're going to win the NFC South. think Seahawks are going to win the NFC West. And then probably meeting the playoffs. Going to be another good game like it was. That's way down the line. We'll see what happens in that. But like I said, this weekend, 26-24, Seattle won. Moving on, I got cheese on my head, but don't call me a cheese head. Andy Milanakis said that one time. And if I was a Packers fan this week, I wouldn't want anybody to know I was a cheesehead either. Because Dallas, the Cowboys, behind Dak Prescott, on the back of Ezekiel Elliott, beat the Packers at Lambeau 30-16. I don't think anybody really gave the Cowboys a chance. I think they thought Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers, that whole situation was going to overwhelm the two rookie sensations for the Dallas Cowboys, but it didn't. They answered the call. Dak, 247 yards, three touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, 157 yards. Ezekiel Elliott leading the league in rushing. I think he has 703 yards. Really hope he could get to 2,000. That'd be amazing for him. Quickly becoming my favorite player in the NFL. But the big question... On a lot of people's mind and being talked about around the NFL and the sports world. When Tony Romo is healthy to come back, do you start him? Do you put him back in over Dak Prescott, who has played so well this entire year? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, you put Tony Romo back in. I understand Dak is playing incredible. He just broke Tom Brady's most passes to start a career without an interception. 163 for Dak. Beat Brady's record. With all that being said, you don't do it. You put Tony back in. And I hate to say this, Tony Romo has a very good chance of being hurt again. But Tony didn't do anything to lose the job. Dak, you could argue, did a lot to win the job. But Tony didn't do anything to lose it. And the year, two years ago, when Dallas was really good, they had DeMarco Murray in that offensive line in their first year. And they were a great run team. This year, I think this team and that run game is even better than what it was. And back then, Romo didn't have to throw the ball as much, wasn't forcing passes. This year, I think it could be even better because Dez is there. You still got Witten. Cole Beasley has really stepped up. Terrence Williams seems really rejuvenated in Dez's absence. He's coming on. Bryce Butler is also there. But... The big thing, I think that running game is so much better this year. Tony Romo isn't going to be asked to win you games. He's just going to be asked to not lose you games. Another big thing, surprisingly, for the Cowboys this entire year is their defense and their pass rush and their secondary. Pretty much all their defense has been much better than anybody thought. But back to how I was saying, Tony Romo needs to be the starter when he's able to be the starter. His rehab has been pushed back a little bit. Um, Jerry Jones is sticking with them. Him and Tony are real tight, I believe. From all indications, they're boys. Unfortunately for Dak, I believe he needs to be benched when he when Tony comes back. 
Ezekiel Elliott, though, you can ride him to some victories, ease Tony back into it, and if Tony gets hurt or Tony strings together a couple bad games, you know what you got in Dak. Put him back out there. But you got to do it. You got to explain to him it's not him. He didn't do anything. It's just Tony was our guy. He didn't lose his job. He just got hurt. And make sure Dak still has that confidence because that can be really damaging for him because he play. He's been playing incredible. Granted, Tony's not gonna be able to come back for a couple weeks, and maybe Dallas has a couple bad games, and Dak does play pretty badly. Then. It's not really much of a question. You're going to put Tony back in, but if he continues to keep playing as well as he is, it's going to be a real tough decision for Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett, and the entire Cowboys coaching staff, but I really think you got to put Tony back in. Now that we got that out of the way, I'd like to address something. Since the last time I did the rapid-fire segment, all I've been hearing from the fans, Carson, do rapid-fire again. Carson, do rapid-fire again. Well... I guess I can give that to you for the NFL. I did it for college football. Might as well do it for some NFL as well. So with that being said, here we go. Boom! Broncos fall to the Chargers 21-13 on Thursday night. Chargers have some great color rush uniforms. Joey Bosa, proven third pick in the draft, was just right for him. Not turned to be a bust. Gets consistent pressure on the quarterback at all times. Had two sacks last week. Had a lot of pressure this week. Had a tackle in the backfield on the quarterback. Kind of a sack. Not really at the line of scrimmage. Kind of. I don't know how to describe it really. But big, big game out of Joey Bosa and the entire Chargers. What the hell's going on with the Broncos? You're better than that. Trevor Simeon came back, wasn't himself, didn't play as well as he has been. Broncos need to turn around. Don't waste that good defense by losing games like this that you should be winning, Broncos. Next game, boom! Eagles in the Wentz wagon. Lost a tire, broke down something this weekend in nation's capital as the Washington Redskins beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-20. Wentz had only 179 yards, only completed 11 passes. Wentz... You're a great rookie. You sell a lot of jerseys. You're a good quarterback. You can only get better. This game, just take one on the chin. You and your Eagles, you go back home. Tough loss in the NFC East. Needed this one. Kirk Cousins, you like that? Two touchdowns, 263 yards. I did like that, Kirk. Keep it up. Boom. Next game, New York Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens 27-23. Odell Beckham Jr. got engaged to a kicking net. Also that day, eight catches. 222 yards, two touchdowns. It's safe to say he is back, and he is back in a big way. Baltimore, though, after starting the season undefeated, I think the first three or four games, lost their last two. little disappointing. Story of the day, though, can't wait to see what the wedding is going to be like between the kicking net and Odell. Boom. Next game, 41-38. Saints over the Panthers. Lots of yards for Drew Brees, and by a lot, I mean 465. Lots of touchdowns as well, and again, by a lot, I mean four. Cam Newton, a lot of passing yards, 332, two touchdowns. Cam Newton in that defense, they're letting you down, Cam. You need to get light a fire underneath them. Not as good as last year. Can't believe one player leaving like Josh Roman is going to affect you like that. It shouldn't. Cam Newton, Panthers, you're better than that. You're on notice. Start playing better. Start winning some games. Boom! Next game, New England, 35, over the Bengals, 17. Tom Brady, another stellar day, 
three touchdowns, almost 400 yards. Big story in this one, though. Fontez Burfick, you're a dirty player. You keep doing that bullshit, you're going to be out of the league. It's easy as that. Blatantly stepped on the Garrett Blunt leg a couple times in the game, was chirping all game, late hitting people, throwing them down after the whistle. It's enough. NFLs are going to deal with that shit much longer, Vontez. You're better than that. You're a great player. Get your head out of your ass. Start playing the game the right way. Last one. Boom. Houston, 26-23 in overtime. Houston came back from two scores down late in the fourth quarter. Chuck Pagano, your seat's probably on fire right now in Indianapolis. Andrew Luck, you're doing it all. 250 yards and touchdown. Asking for a little bit more from you. I'd like to see it, but what you got around you, your offensive line, your defense, everything else is very piss poor. Jim Irsay, you need to get better as an owner. Sign some better players. I don't know if that's on you or the GM. I don't know who the Colts GM is. Either way, whoever's fault it is, fix it. Broncos, Broncos. I said the Broncos. The freaking Texans, not the Broncos. Texans finally got their money's worth in Brock Osweiler. Two touchdowns this game, leading the comeback strong for them. Big AFC South win for the Texans this weekend. And that's that. That's the rapid fire for the week that was in the NFL. Now that I got that out of the way, I'd like to talk a little bit, slow it down, talk a little bit of seriousness to you. After the game between the Panthers and the Saints, Cam Newton was back in uh, disgruntled, upset, some would say cryberry be sore loser mode in his press conference. And he wasn't answering questions a lot, gave him very short, brief answers, very um, snarky comments, a lot of next question type answers. What is bothering me is obviously Cam Newton doesn't like to lose. I'm totally okay with that. What I'm not okay with is if Cam Newton is going to do this, and this is part of your job as an NFL football player. You have to talk to the media. You have to be available to them. And you you don't have to give great insight, all these great answers all the time, but they're trying to do their job, and you are a big part of doing their job. So there's no need to be a dickhead about it. I understand you're upset that you lost, but you don't need to be a dickhead and make their jobs much harder than it already is. With that being said... I hope the media is all over Cam because the media was all over Odell Beckham Jr. a couple weeks ago for showing the same fire and passion. Granted, Odell made it more known and it was during the game, but he still, it's the same concept. Both of them don't want to lose. Both of them are insane talents. Both of them weren't happy with how they were playing and how their team was performing, and it really caused them to ruffle their feathers and both of them to get upset. If the media does not go after Cam Newton like they went after Odell, I think it's a real big disservice. Odell's plays didn't cause the Giants to lose. Again, Cam Newton and Odell just hate to lose. And back back in the day, that would have been praised, would have been loved. It would oh they're fiery, they're competitors, they're hungry. But now the times are changing. It's seen as being a crybaby, being too you care too much, you care too much about your job. Some people like get rewarded for that, and then these two guys they get reprimanded, get fined, get criticized by everyone. I think it's absurd. I think the media does need to criticize Cam a little bit, but 
If they don't, I think it's a real double, double standard for what they did with Odell. Cam Newton, you're a great competitor. Just learn to lose. I know you don't like it. Nobody likes to lose. Sometimes it happens. Learn to lose, my friend. Learn to lose. With that being said, we can now look ahead to the week ahead of us in the NFL. Starts Thursday, October 20th, in what is probably going to be a real boring game, but it's a big rivalry in the NFC. Bears go to the Packers. Packers going to look to rebound after that home loss to the Cowboys. Bears just looking to rebound from this whole season. They're terrible. Brian Hoyer, I'm not sure if Jay Cutler's back just yet. If not, Brian Hoyer will get the start. If not, I can imagine Jay Cutler's going to get it. I think the Packers are going to come out on top in this one. It is a little concerning, though. They're going to be without Eddie Lacy, and James Sarks is already out. So Ty Montgomery is going to get a lot of carries in the backfield. Randall Cobb will also. I found it pretty alarming. I went to pick up the uh, third-string running back this week for the Packers in fantasy because Starks was out, and I figured he'd be bumped up to the second spot, but they don't even have one. It's just Starks and Eddie Lacy. They did get Niles Davis from the Chiefs this week, though, but game's Thursday. It's Tuesday right now when they got him. Unless they're saying, hey, run left, Aaron will get you the ball. Run right, Aaron will get you the ball. It's going to be real hard for Niles Davis to learn that real complex offense they got up in Green Bay. But I think Aaron Rodgers and how poorly, how terrible the Bears are this season, I think it's all going to even itself out and the Packers are going to win this one on Thursday night. Looking ahead, don't say I didn't tell you. I think the Eagles are going to beat the Vikings this week. I think Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are going to drop some real nice offensive plays, some real nice offensive game plan. And I understand the Vikings defense is what it is, probably the best in the NFL right now. But I think going back, Sam Bradford to Philadelphia, those fans are going to be savages. They're going to be insanely harsh, just it's going to play a factor. I really think it's going to. In the NFL, home home field advantage isn't really a thing unless it's in a dome or it has to do with weather. But I think Philadelphia's fans and the offensive game plan for the Eagles is going to be just enough for the Eagles to hand the Vikings their first loss of the year. Next game we're going to look at, it's another battle of the birds. So might as well do it. We got the Seahawks going to the Cardinals. Seahawks 4-1. Cardinals struggling at the start of the year. 3-3. I like the Cardinals in this game. I think David Johnson's going to have a big day. He's going to need it if the the Cardinals are going to win. Carson Palmer is going to be the key to this game, though. If he can stretch the put the ball downfield, open the run game up a little bit for David Johnson, doesn't turn the ball over. Arizona's defense, I think, is going to be able to hold Russell Wilson and the rest of that offense the Seahawks have in check just enough that the Cardinals can score more points. And in the end, that's the name of the game. Team with the most points wins, and I think the Cardinals are going to be that team Sunday night. Last game I'll be talking about, it's a Monday night game. The Houston Texans, led by Brock Osweiler, former Denver Bronco, like to point that out, goes to Denver to face the Broncos in the Monday night matchup. Both teams 4-2. Neither team, it's not a must win for either team, but I think the Broncos defense thinks 
they're going to be able to handle Brock Osweiler. Think, hey, we know this guy. We went against him in practice all the time, a scout team, blah, 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 blah. I think Brock Osweiler is going to have a lot to prove. Things are going to have one of his best games of the year. Lamar Miller is going to need to have a big game for the Texans on the ground. Texans defense is going to need to show up, get better pressure on the quarterback than they did last week against the Colts. DeAndre Hopkins, I'm expecting two touchdowns out of him. He's kind of gone quiet a little bit these past couple weeks, but I think on the big stage, primetime is going to show right back up. Denver, going to fall to 4-3. and three. Don't think that's a lot of cause for concern. I think Trevor Samuel will have an okay day. In the end, though, I think the Texans are just going to win this game and ride high at a mile high. Ladies and gentlemen, we have done it. We've made it through another Carson Sack podcast where we talk balls. It's the eighth episode. I thank you for listening. Hope you gained some sports knowledge. Hope we could share a laugh or two. Hope you had a good time. Again, your support, your shares on Twitter, your shares anywhere, Facebook, however you get somebody to listen to it. I don't care how you do it. Force them to listen to it. Glue earbuds in their ears. I don't care. It's always appreciated. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for listening. This is the eighth episode. I'm so happy that I'm able to do this and give this to you all. Any feedback, any ideas, critiques, anything. It's all well welcome. Most of you that listen to this probably have my number. Text me, DM me on Twitter, something. I don't care. I don't think it's weird if you slide my DMs if you're a dude. I don't care. Do it. Don't get carried away, though. Like I said, that was the 8th episode of Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, we will be seeing you.